He's America's sports voice. KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us. Again, we are continuing to raise money for uh, Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital and uh, Tree of Hope. We still have the uh, Tactical Laser Tag Party, and this is for adults. This is not for kids. Tactical Laser Tag Party for 20 and that includes a pizza party. You can get that for $1,000, and all that money is going to uh, Cardinal Glennon Hospital and Tree of Hope. So if you want to get in on that, 314-955-1120 is uh, the number for you to call. Right now, we're very happy to uh, welcome in a guy who has ties to the uh, city of St. Louis, but he's based out of Chicago now. He's a sports columnist with the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at SL Greenberg. It is Steve Greenberg. Steve, thank you so much for your time. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing all right. Wanted to start with uh, kind of the Chicago sports news of the day, the Andrew Benatendi deal. That's a lot of money for him. What was your initial reaction when you saw them spend that kind of money on him? This is the White Sox. You know, first of all, uh, an organization that has won three playoff series in 105 years, all of them in the same year, the World Series year 06, uh, 05, not just uh, 05, 06, that's you guys, sorry. No disrespect, right? That's the Cardinals, 06? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 05, White Sox. Anyway, they, they they just, historically, they don't go big. They went, you know, their version of big for Yasmani Grandal didn't work. Dallas Keuchel didn't work. But they don't go bigger. They never have. And and this is uh, this is not, you know, a, a blockbuster signing, but it's uh, the White Sox spending, uh, you know, more than maybe someone's perceived value or even as much as on a, on a free agent. It's such a welcome thing for, for Sox fans to, to absorb. Uh, he may not be a game-changing player. Then again, he's good, and he was an all-star in, in, in 22, and a uh, guy who can, you know, play defense and run and left-handed bat, which they desperately need. So, when you're the White Sox, it maybe was not about an overall uh, amount of talent. If you you know if it's possible to measure such a thing, it's a chemistry thing, a mixed thing, and um, clearly Rick Hahn, GM, you know, thinks Benintendi someone who will help shake up a clubhouse that, especially with Jose Abreu gone, because he was really the most positive influence they had. Now they don't have him. Uh, someone they, you know, they must have really felt like they needed for for the mix, for the chemistry and all that. And certainly the left-handed bat. I mean, desperate need. Is there pressure on this organization to take legitimate steps forward after the sky-high expectations of the last couple seasons and the failure of the Tony Larusa era? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, you, you know... <laughs> I lived in St. Louis. You, you, you've alluded to my ties when, when LaRusso was manager, and it was a very different perception of him in Chicago and, and, and of the White Sox, in, in, you know, directly as a result and indirectly because the same perception exists about the owner, Jerry Reinsdorf. Um, LaRusso's teams with the Sox, particularly last season, but also the year before when they won a bunch of games but got outmaneuvered and outclassed by Dusty Baker and the Astros and all that, is that there was just kind of – there were these subtle disconnects that grew into big disconnects 
in 2022 uh, and, and uh, just unwell in the messaging department in general coming from anywhere above. Larusa for sure, also from the very top Jerry Reinsdorf on down and, and the perception of a feckless general manager and Rick Hahn. Feckless because really, you know, he gave voice to, to, to supposed, you know, being the, the decision maker when in fact he really wasn't one. And I think all that trickled down to the, the players and it left such a bad taste in the mouths of baseball fans in Chicago and White Sox fans in particular. It's a, it's a, a team that needs to prove, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to put this to a St. Louis audience where it's a given the car, the Cardinals, you know, they don't tank. Maybe they're not always completely going for the jugular, but they always have a chance. And, and, and they certainly, there's a standard there an expectation that the team is not, going to be out-efforted, you know, on the field. But the White Sox worked game after game after game, series after series, and uh, it was just all cringy to watch. So, yes, it's extremely important that they field a completely different kind of team uh, from, from the culture to the results. You a might big season for them. You might think I'm totally full of it on what I'm about to say, and, and you can tell me that if that's the case. I've always viewed – I think teams – reflect their fan base very often. And I've, like the Cardinals fan base, loving the past, loving hard-nosed baseball. And, you know, there's, there's a certain thing that Cardinal fans expect, and not all baseball fans expect that. When I talk to White Sox fans, and I've got a lot of friends who are White Sox fans, I've always thought like the average White Sox fan, a little younger, a little more progressive in how they think. They're, they're more into analytics than maybe some other their fan bases, things like that. And it always felt weird to me that that's the White Sox fan base, which is different than the Cubs fan base, Yet they went out and, and they hired Tony Larusa, and most, uh, to me, it felt like most of the fan base was never happy with that decision. It's a very generous way you're framing White Sox fans. I appreciate it on their on their behalf. I mean, I, all of that may well be be right on, but I think they're also, uh, e- you know, easily irritated and quick to bail, uh, and bailing in the form of, you know, not going to the games, and and just sort of giving way to to un, a, a torrent of complaining that uh, that goes on and cynicism and all that and 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 that's because you know one again three playoff series wins in in 105 years will do that to you um there there's a you know I've lived in Wisconsin and I've lived in St. Louis <laughs> people here hate it uh and people do like to thumb their noses at the so-called best fans in baseball, right? We all know that. Well, they are the best fans in baseball, or at least they're better fans than the, the, the fans here, not because they they necessarily know more, but I think they have more perspective and they and and they and they are they care more. Um they're and 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 it was I'd say the same about Packers fans. You know, <laughs> they are the the best. The best fans. They just are, no matter how annoying it is. And and so I feel that the, you know the the Sox fans they are not going to um, engage in a healthy way with another underachieving team or another underfunded, another you know uh, uh, roster the payroll and uh, they're just they're done they, they've they've called BS on it and and a lot of them need to be won back and by the way maybe even more on the Cubs side of town. 
Steve Greenberg, columnist with the Chicago Sun-Times, continuing to join us here on Sports Open Line. What have you been hearing? What's been the reaction from Cubs fans following the news that Wilson Contreras is a Cardinal? I think Cubs fans' hearts were were broken, you know, the, uh, uh, as, it, as it was when Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez were all traded at the deadline. And, and and others, you know, and the core at that point was was ripped out, so they were already vulnerable. But people people didn't love Contreras at that point like they did by you know by now by the end, in part because he was the best player on the team, he was the best player left. But he showed uh, really, I you know I, I have to say, and maybe this is coming from the perspective of a media person who goes in the clubhouse and all that. But the extent to which Contreras remained essentially normal in the in the face of of prolonged lame duck status that went past the, the, the trade deadline and all the way to the bitter end of a of a really bad season, and and the um, you know actual an overused word but leadership he he gave that that mix of, of, of players, some of whom belong in the major leagues, some of whom don't. And, uh, and he was really just kind of a good giving presence and teammate and, and, you know, person to talk to and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I guess I, I would say that in the last couple of years, he matured, you know, in a way that was really, um, you know, clear and palpable and impressive. Uh, you know, as some people do and some people don't, but he really did. And, and so I think he goes to the Cardinals, a fully formed baseball player and fully formed team guy. So this is the best version of him that you're getting. Uh, however good he, you know, he winds up being, he's very talented. Um, you know, some quibble about the, the, the defense and I'm not a, I'm not smart enough to really discern uh, the finer points of what's not really good. I, I think he's really good, but I also think he's a, a really good, you know, guy to have around and that Cardinals fans are going to see that connect with it. They're going to love him. That's what I believe. When he was introduced last Friday, he said that when he was sitting as a member of the Cubs in the dugout, when the Cubs were playing the Cardinals and Albert Pujols hit his 695th home run and he saw the crowd reaction and he saw what it was like in the Cardinal dugout, that he started to imagine himself as a Cardinal in that moment. Have those comments from him made the rounds in the Chicago media? Has there been any uh, reaction in Chicago to him saying that? I don't think a, a, a reaction in whatsoever in the negative. I mean, I really don't. I, I don't think there's any, you know, they, on, a, on an extremely rudimentary level, there might be some people, you know, using words like <laughs> ridiculous words, traitor, this, that, you know. Most people are sophisticated enough, and certainly in the, you know, in the media, we know that it's not his uh, uh, fault or decision that he's not here. I mean, he would have had, you know, uh, the front office, it was – they never really made an effort with him and, and certainly weren't going to. Uh, in the end, you know, although it's a harsh word to use, he was unwanted here. So I think that's, that's, that's easy to understand and, and impossible to, you know, fairly uh, uh, take issue with. So I, I would 
I would sort of categorize the way Chicago views this as wishing him well, surprisingly so mm. to me, you know, given that he went to the Cardinals. But what, I, what I'm really seeing is people are, are, are fond of him and will continue to be here. You know, he will be welcomed in a really nice way, I'm sure, when he comes back and in the future. Last thing for you as we're talking with uh, Steve Greenberg. He is a, a sports columnist with the Chicago Sun-Times. During the winter meetings, that story was kind of planted that the Cubs were ready to spend money. And you, you see that and you think, okay, maybe this is going to be a team that's going to make a big splash. I would not call Bellinger a big splash. They're giving him a bunch of money for one year, but that's it. Since then, Jamison Tyone and Brad Boxberger have been the deals. I mean, I, from, the, from an outsider's perspective, I've been really surprised because when that story got, came out, I felt like they were setting up to spend money, and, and here we are. They really haven't made a big splash yet. It, where am I wrong in all this? But Bellinger is so good-looking. <laughs> he looks like a movie star. That's a big splash. No, I mean, I really think that's part of the reason his year here is because, you know, he looks great getting off the bus and people will, will, will like him for, you know, for, for surface, surfacey reasons. I mean, I think that's honestly was part of his appeal to the Cubs and to, uh, you know, just sort of the, the, the broad idea of marketing. Um, but there's a, there's a, a real discussion and I, about, whether or not, and there always is, you know, there's no, there's no straight shooting coming from the ownership, from the Ricketts's. Um, Tom Ricketts said, we're going to spend money. We'll spend the money we need to spend. And that's why everybody has this perception that you bring up. I don't know if it's really true. If Jed Hoyer believes um, that if he spends now that they won't yank the rug out from under him as soon as some contracts start coming up, which could be before they've, you know, gotten as good as they, they might be able to get. I think the probably more likely reality is that there was a, a green light to, you know, to, to, to with limits, meaning there's a group, kind of a green light right now, but we can't guarantee you what it's going to be like next year, let alone past that. So there's, there seems to be, you know, a carefulness that Jed Hoyer is, is, has moved forward with. And beyond that, you know, what you get you know, with Theo Epstein, whether or not he directly said something, you could always read, be, you could always glean from him the truth. It's hard to do with uh, Jed Hoyer to begin with, and it's hard to believe what, you know, what comes from, from the front office from, or from ownership. So it's a strange, unwarm, unfuzzy organization that we're looking at right now, which is completely antithetical to what, you know, the Cubs want to be. Uh, but it's a, it's a tough team to like and a hard organization to believe in and root for right now, more so than really, I think, in a long time. As someone who's lived in St. Louis and Chicago, if you can have either Emos or Lou Malnati's, which one are you going with? I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm inclined to pretend you didn't even ask me the question. Ooh. Because it can't be Emos. We, on some level, you must know that. I mean, you must. I moved here from Wisconsin six months ago. I grew up in St. Louis, but I lived in Wisconsin for seven years. And where I lived, we had a Lou Malnati's less than a mile from where I was at. And if I could only have, and I loved it. I'm not trying to talk bad about it. Fantastic pizza. But if I got to choose one of the two, I'm still going Emos. Well, God bless you and and, and God bless pizza. But I'll say this. I, I, I admire the heck out of Emos. 
the problem is in Chicago, the real places to get it from are the neighborhood spots, and it's the neighborhood uh, tavern style, you know, thin crust neighborhood spots. It's not the chains here, but their emos has a better hold on St. Louis than any one place has here, and that's cool. Good for emos. And I, by the way, I miss St. Louis. People don't who haven't lived there for a long time don't know what a what a what a good spot it is. Yeah, I was away 20 years. I'm so glad to be back. So I'm right there with you. Nice. Steve, thank you for uh, your time. Encourage people to uh, read you in the Chicago uh, Sun-Times or your columnist at SL Greenberg on Twitter. And uh, hopefully we can get you on again in the future. This was fun. All right. Thank you, fellas. Have a great night. You bet. There's Steve Greenberg joining us here on Sports Open Line. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk some St. Louis Blues hockey. Great win. Great win last night. We'll discuss it. We'll hear a little bit from uh, Craig Berube. He spoke to the media earlier today. We're back with more in just a moment at Sports Open Line on KMOX. KMOX.